This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Alvina, it's me. I've just discovered the most amazing thing. It's called Shaker and Spoon, and it's a subscription cocktail service. I can learn how to make handcrafted cocktails right here at the office. From now on, our Scrabble Nights will be even more fun. Every box comes with enough ingredients to make three different cocktail recipes, developed by world-class mixologists. All I need to do is buy one bottle of that month's spirit, and I have all I need to make 12 drinks at home. That's seven for me and five for you. And it's just 40 to $50 per month, plus the cost of the bottle. That is much cheaper than Vouv Clicquot. Unless we get Joey and Salvatore to raid a van again, of course. Oh, and you can skip or cancel boxes any time. My first shaker and spoon box just arrived. What do you say we start our Scrabble session a bit early? I'm already shaking. P.S. Alvina, if you want your own set, you can get $20 off your first box at shakerandspoon.com forward slash Amelia. Do you also want your Scrabble Nights to be even more fun? Well, as an Amelia listener, you can simply visit shakerandspoon.com slash Amelia and you will get $20 off any length subscription. The discount will automatically be applied when you check out. Host your first Amelia listening party or give a subscription to Shaker and Spoon as a gift to a friend or family member. Once more, that's shakerandspoon.com slash Amelia. Hello, what you're about to hear is a behind-the-scenes episode, and uh, before we begin, a quick content warning. The beginning of this episode contains the sounds of chocolate chewing. This is entirely my fault. Uh, actually, let's say it's Einstein's fault, because he's the one who brought the Norwegian chocolate into the studio. Anyway, uh, if you can't stand that kind of thing, apologies, and uh, maybe skip ahead a bit. Right, enjoy the episode. Congratulations. You've reached the Amelia Project. This phone call isn't happening. If you're not serious about this, hang up. Now. If you continue, there's no way back. Good choice. A new life awaits. You'll hear back from us within the hour. If you don't hear back, please consider the whole thing a hoax. Leave your message after the beep. I left Scotland seven years ago, trying to disappear. My plan was to get as far away as possible, but I haven't been able to leave Vienna ever since I arrived, seven years ago. It's the weather, the architecture, the atmosphere, it's everything. It's all just so wonderful, I can't get away. I need help. I have to disappear. Kona mi, Lien, er nødt til å tro at jeg ikke har forsvunnet. Dere må få det til å høres ut som om jeg er med i denne episoden, selv om jeg egentlig er et annet sted. Det er ingenting som er umulig for Amelia, sant? Hva associerer Sie med den Wiener Prater? 
die riesigen Schweinstelzen im Schweizer Haus, Langosch und Lilliput Bahn oder vielleicht die ikonische Szene aus dem dritten Mann, in der Orson Welles im Riesenrad fährt. Nachdem sie mein Verschwinden inszeniert haben, wird niemand mehr an diese Dinge denken. Je suis surchargé de travail et mal payé. Je passe la moitié de ma journée sur le putain de métro. La défense, Châtelet, Saint-Denis. J'en ai marre. Je dois disparaître. Can I offer you some cocoa? Oh, yes, please. Oh, that'd be lovely. Thank you. Just some official bits and bobs before the fun begins. Name? Oystein. I asked you for your name, not your last disease. Uh, well, it is Oystein. Wow. I'm Norwegian. That explains it. Occupation? Artistic director of Imploding Fictions, co-creator, writer and director of The Amelia Project. How's the cocoa working out for you? Well, it's great. Mm. And I've just got the thing... <clears throat> To go with it. What's that? Oh, Einstein, you're a star. <laughs> All right, what is listen it? to this. <laughs> yeah, the sound of the world. Uh, this is Norwegian chocolate. Freya chocolate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Freya? Isn't like Swiss chocolate supposed to be the best in the world? Oh, like being that's what they think. Norwegians are very proud of their chocolate. Oh, very much Oh, wow, so. this is actually really good. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Huh. Go home Swiss chocolate. Thank you, Ison. <laughs> You're welcome. <clears throat> We've now made it impossible for ourselves to continue this podcast. <laughs> <which is disempowering. clears throat> we should get Fryer to sponsor us um, for season one. Yeah. <clears throat> Name? Oh, sorry, it's Philip. Uh, Pip for short. <clears throat> You're just thinking about your nickname there. Yeah, I was, yeah. Fit, <laughs> Pip, it stands for Philip in person. Occupation? Um, I'm artistic director of Imploding Fictions, writer and director of The Amelia Project. So you do what he does? Essentially, yes. <clears throat> Why do there need to be two of you? Um, actors are kind of scary, so it's always good to have backup. You're French? Oh, God, no, I just live there. In <clears throat> France? In Paris. So you're British? Kind of. Kind of? I'm half British, half German. And my mum's German, my dad's English. Uh, actually, his mum was Swiss, so that makes me a quarter English, a quarter Swiss. Next! Uh, I'm Julia. You're the Austrian one. <laughs> no. We're in Austria. Someone well, must Well, I be... live here in Vienna, but I'm not actually Austrian. Oh, uh, for I'm God's sake, English I don't have time for this. Occupation? I'm uh, a co-founder of Open House Theatre, uh, which is an English-language theatre based here in Vienna. And I work on casting and general coordination for the Amelia Project. Oh, and you might also recognise my voice from the intros and outros. Good, good, good. So that just leaves me. I'm Alan, I'm general manager of Open House Theatre, and I play the interviewer. Philip and Oystein, do you mm-hmm. want to give us a bit of a background? Sure. Um, so making a narrative podcast um, is something we've been talking about for, for a very long time. <clears throat> uh, if we should start at the beginning, maybe... Um, 
we both studied theatre directing at Rose Bruford College, so that's where we met, started collaborating and stuff, and uh, we thought about theatre in a very similar way. And that was something that kind of drew us together, um, alongside the fact that I love the fact that Pip is a magician. Uh, yeah, uh, unfortunately, since this is audio, you can't see that at the moment I'm wearing a, um, a tails and a top hat. And um, uh, watch this, are you ready? One, two, three. Wow. Now, now, unfortunately, our listeners can't see what just happened, but trust me, it was amazing. Amazing. <clears throat> so most of our shows to date have included some sort of uh, magic, trickery, that kind of stuff. Um, it's probably only a matter of time until um, some magic comes into, into Amelia. Um, and in fact, we've just finished writing a, a murder mystery play about mm. a bullet catch illusion. Which goes, goes horribly, horribly wrong. wrong. <clears throat> Um, and there will be an episode of the Amelia Project about Melissa, who's a time-tripping magician. Yeah, don't yeah. give away too much yet, though. Yeah, you're right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm digressing. We were talking about meeting at, at Rose Bruford. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so one of the first things I knew about Einstein was that he directed a show in which he'd kidnapped his entire audience on the way to the theatre. Okay. Uh, <laughs> come again? <laughs> yeah, so he kidnapped his audience and held them hostage. And so th th these rumours were going around Rose Bruford that we had this new Norwegian student who'd, who'd done this. And as soon as I heard that, I got curious and I thought, okay, I Do you want to maybe explain those then? Yeah, well, no. <clears throat> no, I did a show um, where the audience was told to get on the bus and they were going to be driven to the place where the, where the performance was going to take place. Uh, but what the, the audience didn't know was that along the road, um, the bus would be stopped by four actors um, who all had uh, guns, uh, who then hijacked the bus and bring the audience to a remote warehouse uh, where the rest of the show kind of uh, took place. Right. Mm -hmm. And that hmm. made you think, I want to work with this guy. Yeah, absolutely. So that's <laughs> what, yeah, that's what initially drew me to it. And, and then we started uh, collaborating, making some theatre pieces and some short films together. Uh, <laughs> our graduation piece um, was The Hamlet Machine by Heine Miller. We convinced our tutors to let us uh, team up, co-direct, co-device uh, a show based on that mm -hmm. text. And um, yeah, so, and we used that show then, to which we made still at college, but then we still used, uh, when we left college, we then took it to various festivals um, um, and uh, used that to, to start our own theatre company, which is called Imploding Fictions. Um, yeah, so we, we toured festivals in Austria, France, um, Norway, uh, Italy, Egypt. Egypt, <clears throat> um, which was absolutely insane. Uh, we'd only just graduated at that point, uh, but the... Uh Egyptian festival uh, must have thought that we were a bigger deal than we were because they uh, put our show in the Cairo Opera House. Which was purely down to our blagging the fact that we were bigger than we were. We just graduated and uh, I think we were good good blag artists <laughs> and they thought they were inviting the RSC or something. And then they ended up with us. Yep, a so nasty <laughs> surprise. <laughs> we want to see how the English do Hamlet, someone from the festival said. And our show was kind of full of German postmodernism music by Rammstein. Um, half of the audience left, uh, and the, the other, other half, they, they gave us a standing ovation. So I mean, it wasn't all bad, uh, and it was a great experience. Like just generally going, like traveling with a show is 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 so much fun. Although uh, I mean, if you if you out there, if you if the listener 
uh, if you're going to be travelling with a show, uh, just a little word of recommendation from me. Uh, don't take a handgun in your luggage. That's, uh, that's, not, that's not a good idea. Good advice. Uh, it's it's based on personal experience, actually. So this, this, was, uh, <laughs> this was when we flew to uh, Hamburg to make a short film and from mm. Stansted. Um, and um, obviously it wasn't a, a real gun. It fired blanks. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, it was a prop for the film that we were going to make. Um, though, Stansted Airport Security found it real enough. Yeah, and next thing I know, um, there's this big burly security guy uh, with a machine gun marching down the, the, the queue for people boarding the plane saying, uh, Mr. Brager, Mr. Brager. This is no and, exaggeration. I was actually there. Yeah, and Einstein uh, <laughs> well, gets... Frog marched off, and Julia yeah. and I are left to board the plane alone with the actors. So, no yeah. idea when Ostend mm. would be able to follow, yeah. if or whether he'd, you know, be. It was about 24 hours later. Stuck I away in jail. I got, I got to know Stansted Airport very well. I was stuck there for over 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I, th- I think the kidnapping concept sounds amazing. I think it's wonderful <laughs> that I actually know someone who's now been arrested in an, at an airport <laughs> for carrying firearms. Um, but aside from kidnapping, blagging and getting arrested for possession of firearms, is there more to imploding fictions than semi-criminal activity? There is. Um, in the Thank last God. few years, <laughs> in the last few years, imploding fictions activity has been mostly in Oslo. We have been running a project there called Oslo International Theatre, uh, which uh, is doing rehearsed readings of uh, contemporary international plays. Yeah. So um, um, that was mostly Einstein, um, and um, I moved to Paris. Uh, my life took a completely different turn. I became a dad, um, and I sort of um, uh, we we still kind of. Uh, collaborated a bit by email. Um, I did some dramaturgy work on some of the um, imploding fictions and Oslo International Theatre shows, but mostly I was very busy eating baguettes, changing nappies and that kind of thing. Uh, And basically I I left the theatre behind for a few years and tried to be an adult. How did that work out for you? Well, I'm back here with you, aren't I? (laughs) Uh, Pip and I really wanted to find a way to collaborate again and then last Christmas we met up in London and spent an entire day in the Waterstones Cafe in Hampstead drinking tea, brainstorming Drinking so much tea I remember I really needed to pee and um, I went to the loo um, and uh, there was some guy taking forever uh, so I rattled on the door uh, politely at first uh, then not so politely eventually the door opens and Alan Davis walks out Wow (laughs) and you forgot you needed to pee and went back to the (laughs) table Exactly, yeah I was so starstruck I love Alan Davis. Um, In case he's listening to this, actually. Um, yes, if you're listening, Alan Davis would love you to play a part on The Amelia Project. He'd be perfect as Bob. Absolutely brilliant. Yes, we wouldn't be able to pay you that much, but there would definitely be a bar of Norwegian chocolate in it for you. Oh, no doubt. Alan Davis, if you're listening to this, send Julia an email at julia at openhousetheatre.at. And we might even be able to stretch to two or three bars of chocolate. <laughs> and I'm really sorry that I rattled the door. Anyway, let's get back to where we were. <clears throat> So, where were we? Uh, You were waiting in line in the Waterstones for a pee. (laughs) Yes, that's right. So, um, (laughs) uh, yeah, so we, we, apart from that, we also had a very productive meeting and that's where we uh, discussed the concept of um, uh, an organisation that fakes its clients' deaths and um, allows them to reappear in a new life. So after that meeting, we went off uh, each to a different country, started writing scripts. And I sent them to Julia to get some feedback. I'm Philip's sister, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Um, So, yeah, so Philip sent me the first few scripts. And, I mean, I've had 30 years experience of Philip's wacky imagination. 
But still, each episode managed to take me completely by surprise and I immediately became addicted, um, kept badgering him to send me more episodes. Uh, and yeah, I thought this is something I'd really love to get on board with. And seeing as the Amelia Project is all about collecting stories and at Open House Theatre, our motto is stories worth telling, I thought this seems like a perfect fit. So I took this idea to Alan. And I read a couple of episodes and... I'm one of these guys who, when I read a play or a scene or whatever, I don't usually laugh out loud or cry out loud or do any of these things, but I did laugh out loud when I read through these. And score. one thing that's exactly <laughs> score, you know, brownie point check. <laughs> and one thing that struck me about the writing was because I have written some things in the past myself, some comedy sketches and things, and I, I felt very comfortable with the style of writing. So for me, it was a kind of no-brainer that we would do this. And at Open House Theatre, we're always looking to broaden our horizons and get involved with different projects. So, hey, why not? Let's try a podcast. Yeah, so we were really excited to be collaborating with Open House. And in fact, although Julia and I are sisters and both work in theatre... Brother and sister. <laughs> what did I just say? You're <laughs> giving the game away, Pip. Oh, This cocoa is good, isn't it? It's <clears throat> lovely. Actually, why do you say cocoa? It should it be hot chocolate. Yeah, I know. So, well, I think cocoa is. The, I don't know because I always get confused with German, where you can say cacao. cacao. Yeah. Um, but in the first script, I wrote cocoa, and then I didn't want to change it because somehow it's snappier and it's just one word. And to Fair me, enough. it sounds funny. I don't know if anyone <laughs> else thinks that. But anyway, this is probably a discussion we should have had before actually recording an episode. But uh, to me, cocoa sounds funny. We should uh, explain to the listeners where this cocoa is from, shouldn't we, Bip? Right. So um, I brought this over specially from Paris, um, and it's the real deal from Les Deux Magots. Uh, people who've been listening to the first two episodes have probably noticed that uh, cocoa and uh, Les Deux Magots um, is mentioned, and, uh, and those two uh, features will play an even bigger role in episodes to come. Um, I've, I've, I'm imagining that if you if you cut the interviewer's veins open, I don't know if you agree, Alan, but but I would I think the hit, thick hot chocolate would come running out <laughs> instead of blood. I believe that's true. Yes. <laughs> Do you actually even like hot chocolate, Alan, or is this like torture for you right now? Well, no. I mean, well, hot chocolate per se. I'm not. I don't drink because hot chocolate for me is. Uh, covered with milk and cream and lots of sugar, but I do almost every single day I drink a mug of cow-cow, which is just straight-up cocoa powder and hot water. Ah, so there's the difference. The one is actually liquid chocolate and the other is just the powder. Well, yeah, I think so. I mean, the cocoa powder is what you use for cakes and things, and it's not sweet at all. It's actually quite fatty, and it's actually extremely good for you. It's very, very healthy which is only one of the reasons why I drink it. I do love the taste as well, Mm. but I don't really do sugar or milk, so hot Mm. chocolate, not so much. Okay, but the stuff at Les Deux Magots, I mean, it's kind of like, it's almost like, so you put your spoon in it and it stands in there, so it's it's kind of, it's, (laughs) it's like liquid chocolate really isn't it I, I, I don't know like yeah I, I don't, don't know how they, how make, they make it, it it's absolutely amazing. I tried finding the recipe online but it doesn't I think they, I think it's, it's a secret, secret yeah. Yeah. with regards to that my taste buds would say yes my discipline would say no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Pip and I went to uh, Lodemogu a few weeks ago and um, we actually discovered there are these two huge uh, wooden figures of oriental magicians who are hanging on the walls. In the it turns cafe. out that that's what Lodemogu means. It's, uh, I thought it meant two maggots. <laughs> um, <laughs> As you would. You've got to work on your French. It would be a rubbish name for a cafe though, right? No, but I, I mean, thought like... that was part of the chart. I thought it was like how wonderfully creepy this cafe called the two maggots and I thought like how Amelia and you know, so uh, yeah, but uh, no, it doesn't. It means I looked it up on, uh, on Wikipedia. Uh, so uh, mago means a figurine in a Japanese or Chinese style. I think you can well, like forgive me for not knowing that I stand in French because that's pretty uh, I don't know any obscure. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm planning though at some point I have to write an episode uh, about two Chinese magicians coming into the Amelia office. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Um, what's um, oh hey we should get Le Dumago to sponsor season one. Yes, exactly. I'll go in there and I'll just say, uh, I'll say, donnez-nous du financement et beaucoup de chocolat chaud gratuit. And uh, they'll take one look at me and go, oui. Chocolat chaud, that's all I got. Yeah, that's, uh, what's hot chocolate in Norwegian? Well, you can call it cacao um, or warm chocolade. Warm chocolade. Alan, if you could actually choose a method of disappearance, what would you go for and how would you want to come back? Um... So many options. <laughs> I wish I'd read this bit before I didn't read it. Let me get back Should to that one. Yes, then, please, okay. please. Yes. So I've lived in Vienna for almost five years now, and I still completely love this place. Um, so I think I'd want my disappearance to play out in front of an iconically Viennese background. Um, I, I actually live quite close to the Prater, which is Vienna's fun park. Um, most people probably know that old-fashioned uh, Ferris wheel. Mm. Uh, it actually features in two of my all-time favourite movies, which are um, Before Sunrise and, of course, The Third Man. Um, so that's one of the rides, but there's actually a, another ride which is less famous but much more exciting. It was my wife who made you go on it. Absolutely, yeah. It's the, it's the Praterturm, uh, which is a 117-metre-high chairplane. Yeah, so uh, you can yeah you can see it from all over the city because it's a great big tower. Um, but I'd never actually dared to go on it until my <laughs> sister-in-law recently convinced me. I uh, chickened out, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it was amazing. Next time you're gonna have to go because it was an exhilarating experience. You're like yeah, flying high over Vienna with a perfect view onto the towers and church spires and the hills beyond. It was great. Um, so for my disappearance. I would want to get onto the chairplane on a clear day, wait until it had reached its final height, then my seat would detach and be flung off into the distance while the crowd below held its breath. But neither a body nor the seat would ever be found. <laughs> and for my reappearance, um, obviously, I'd want to reappear in Vienna because I don't know if you knew this, but it's recently been crowned the most livable city in Europe for the eighth time in a row. So, yeah, I'd still, I'd still want to stay here and I think I'd still want to work for my own business. So apart from theatre, my passions are baking, playing board games, reading and spending time with my daughter. So I think I would like to run a cafe that had board games and books and a big play area for kids. Mm, sounds nice. That'd be nice. Mm, lovely. Okay, so for me, um, well, as a magician, I like to baffle people. So I'd like my disappearance to be something really impossible. Um, there's a story, I think it's a Sherlock Holmes story, in which someone um, gets onto an empty tube carriage. Uh, and when it arrives at the next station, the carriage is empty. Um, 
this is a really nice mystery, I think. So I'd like to um, to do something like that. And disappearing from the metro would make sense because uh, the Paris metro is a place where I think I've had some of my darkest thoughts. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I spent many years teaching business English in Paris, um, which kind of involves shuttling back and forth uh, between various offices, uh, often with very, very little time, um, and not having proper lunch breaks, but just eating kind of sandwich lunches on the metro in crowded, smelly carriages. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've many a time I've been in this situation just fantasizing about uh, dreaming about being able to just disappear and teletransport myself somewhere completely different. So um, what I would do is I would get onto the, the very last metro um, at Salazar at around midnight. Uh, Salazar is the, the nearest uh, metro station to where I live. Um, and um, I'd get onto the, the carriage in full view of the CCTV cameras. Um, and by the time the train pulls into the next station, Madeleine, two minutes later, um, I would be gone. Nice. Mm. And for my reappearance, um, I'm obsessed with Venice. Um, uh, ever since watching Don't Look Now, I've really wanted to go to Venice in winter. Uh, this year I finally did it and it was absolutely amazing. The mist, the crumbling buildings, the tides emerging the city it was exactly how I'd imagined it. Uh, in fact, there's an, an Amelia episode about this coming along yeah. later down the line as well. Um, so my new life would be um, as a fisherman on Burano, <laughs> uh, a little island in the Venice Lagoon. So should I mysteriously disappear one day, that's where you'll find me. <laughs> cool. That episode's going to be very confusing for a lot of my friends back home who, when I told them I was moving to Vienna, oh, yeah. said, Oh, really? With the gondolas? <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. yes, yeah. it is. And the other one is uh, Austria, Australia, of yeah. course. Yes. So many, many, many letters do a round-the-world trip instead of us personally that are posted yeah. to us and arrive in Australia. <laughs> cool. Alan, do you have... Um... I do, Sorry. actually. I've just thought of my perfect disappearance and perfect reappearance that I get whisked off one day by a very large production company, preferably based in Los Angeles, California, <laughs> um, go off to this magical world where everything is created by a team behind these magical objects called cameras and come back to Vienna anywhere from six months up to a year and a half later, depending on the size of the wonderful disappearance that they create for me and come back with the influence and the finances and the resources to create my own theatre that we can all come and play in. <laughs> that would be much more convenient than handing in those funding applications every year. It would be, but until <laughs> that time, we'll continue to do the funding applications. Absolutely. <laughs> what about you, Aysen? Actually, I uh, discussed this with my wife, Leanne, um, and before I came here, and, and she swore that if I disappeared, she would come looking for me. And then I said, well, you wouldn't if you think that I'm dead. Uh, and she said, well, now I will. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I guess since she's onto me already, uh, I'm going to have to disappear in such a way that she would think that I haven't disappeared. But that is probably impossible, right? Without faith, nothing is possible. With it, nothing is impossible. Shall we crack open the champagne? That's Sounds a good, good idea. So let's everyone take a glass. Here we Thank go. You. Let's pass around. Who's going to do the? No. Uh, who's going to open the bottle? Shall I open it? Okay. Yes. Um, righty ho. There we go. Okay. Just a moment. Just I don't want to get like 
liquids all over Gabriel's equipment. Um, oh, we're recording in Tongiba Studios, by the yep. way. Uh, Gabriel Geber. And so if anybody ever needs any audio stuff in Vienna, that's the place to go, Tongiba. Okay, so um, put your fingers in your ears, everyone. One, two, three. Cheers. 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 This behind-the-scenes episode of The Amelia Project featured Alan Bergen, Ostein Braga, Philip Thorne, and myself, Julia Seathorn. It also featured Ostein's wife, Leanne Stoddard, and Julia Morizawa on the answer phone, Coco from Les Deux Magots, and Norwegian Chocolate. This episode was recorded at Tongeba Studios with the assistance of Gabriel Geber and was edited by Eustein Braga. Music by Frederick Baden. Graphic design by Anders Pedersen and production coordination by Julia C. Thorne. For more information, see ameliapodcast.com. Alan Davies, if you're listening, our offer to appear in season one still stands. That's all for now. Look forward to welcoming you back to Amelia again soon. Where is he? Where the Whoa. hell is he? Hey Stein, where is he? I don't... He said he was just popping down to the shops to get some Brunost. Brunost? It's Norwegian cheese. Brown. Tastes of caramel. It's really good. It's gross. I'd like to try some. Where can I get some? Can we please stop talking about cheese? My husband has just disappeared. Liam, I'm sure he hasn't disappeared. He's just... Shut up, Pip. I don't trust you. You're a magician. One, two, three. Wow. That was amazing. Anna back. That was amazing. (laughs) Who's coming to get some Brunost? I'm in. I'm coming just to see your grossed out reaction. Bye, Leanne. Hey, where's everybody going? What about Einstein? The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It begins, as terrible things often do, with a knife. People of Herta, chosen children of the night, a lost soul has come to us. I'm not sure if I can do this. It's always better if you just do it quick. You came to St Kilda to escape your past, but the past isn't so easy to outrun. You always say you're changing, but underneath you're just the same. She was a child, Lockie. You liar! Did you really believe this community would accept you? I think you're meant to be here. A little bird told me that you're a liar. All of this, it comes with a cost, Lockie. Did you really believe you could find redemption? The time for excuses is over. The Secret of St. Kilda. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to season one now, and remember, there is no change without sacrifice.